Would you turn with me this morning to John, the 13th chapter? John chapter 13. If you've been with us the uh, past several Sunday mornings, we've been talking, teaching, preaching, ministering on the subject of the love of God. The love of God. And we're continuing on this. I actually believe I have a directive of the Lord to minister on this. Three uh, major things that he dealt with me that I was charged to do as the, the leader of the assembly. And that is to, uh, to teach on love and about how to love each other. And to teach on faith and how to live and walk by faith. And to teach on how to be led by the Spirit. Well, if you're with us on Friday nights, we spent, I don't know how many weeks talking about walking by faith. And of course, we'll be talking about that again. And then we've been for many weeks now on love. And I believe soon we'll, we'll get into some, some more things about how to be led by the Spirit. Cause it is so important. Can't separate living by faith from being led by the Spirit. Did you know that? Sometimes people don't understand. They think, well, you know, all things are possible to him that believes. And uh, I'm just going to say this, and I'm just going to believe this. Well, no, it has to be in your heart. Anybody understand what I mean by that? You know, just just saying something doesn't mean it's going to happen. If you misquote Mark 11:23 and don't include the whole thing, then it doesn't really say that. If you say, well, I can just have whatever I say. Well, no, it didn't just say that. It said, if you'll say it, and what? Not doubt in your heart. But believe, in other words, in your heart, that what you said will come to pass, you'll have what you say. So uh, the, the big thing is not say it. You should say it. Don't misunderstand me. But you've you got to get it in your heart. You've got to become convinced of it. Right. Amen? Amen? And then you say it in faith and you stay with it and, and it comes to pass. And, of course, it should be based on what God said. Like we said uh, a week or so ago, if you'll say what he said, he'll do what you say. Understand that? If you'll say what God said over yourself and over your life, if you say what He said, He will do for you what you say. Gives Him a legal right. Well, in John 13, let's look at our text again and go further this morning on the love of God. We talked about how God loves us. We talked about how that uh, you must receive love. In order to give love and minister love, if you don't let God, if you don't allow God to love you directly, you don't let God love you through other people, then you're going to be choked in loving others. Uh, you cannot be the best father, the best mother, the best husband or wife, the best friend in, in loving others and showing love to others if you don't let others love you. Didn't the scripture say, uh, love your neighbor, how? Well, what if you don't love you? What if you don't even like yourself? You don't love yourself. Well, as we've said, your neighbor's in trouble. Because you love your neighbor as yourself. You must believe the love that God has to you. When he tells you he loves you, 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 you don't say, I don't see how. Hmm? I don't see how you could love me after all that. Well, that's doubt and unbelief. That's insulting. If he says he loves you, he means it. 
Agree with him. That's what confession is all about. If he says you're healed, what do you say? I'm healed. I don't care what you feel like. If he says you are, then agree with him. If he says I supply all your needs, what do you say? Supplies all. I don't care what it looks like. Agree with him. If he says you're the righteousness of God in Christ, what do you say? I'm right. I don't care how you feel or what you've done. Agree with him. If he says you're cleansed, you say. If he says he loves you, then what do you say? He loves me. Amen. Period. No excuses. And when you see yourself through his eyes, you'll love yourself. Amen. And if you know that he loves you and you receive his love and you love yourself, now you're getting in position to love other people like you should. In John 13, 34, John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So according to Jesus, what is our greatest witness to the world round about us? It is our keeping his commandment, the New Testament commandment, and that is loving each other. Well, who is the each other he's talking about? Fellow Christians. Yeah, we're to care about the unsaved, but this commandment is not specifically directed to us loving the unsaved. He said, love who? Each other. He's talking to his disciples. That's me loving you. You loving me, fellow believers. And they don't have to be of the same denomination or persuasion or or, or group. If they're born again, they're your brother. Right? Maybe they don't agree with you on every doctrinal point. Who said you were right on every doctrinal point? Did you know that nobody you know is right about everything? Including me, you, anybody. Why? Because like the the great apostle Paul, whom God used to pen over half the New Testament, who caught up to glory. He said, we know in part. What does that mean? There's parts you don't know. Right? And if there's parts you don't know, then you're going to be wrong about some conclusions. And so nobody you know, uh, there is no denomination. There, is, there are no preachers who are perfectly doctrinally correct about everything. So you and I don't need to push some things so hard. We need to be, you know... We need to stand strong on what we believe. I don't mean compromise. But at the same time, be quick to admit, well, I'm sure there's a lot about that I don't know. And other people may have light that you don't have. You may have light that they don't have. But just because you don't agree doctrinally don't mean we can't love each other. Right? Just because you don't agree, I mean, maybe... Maybe you and your brother, maybe you two grown men, one of them likes one football team, another one likes the other football team. Well, that don't mean they, they can't love each other because they like different football teams. One of them drives a Chevy, one of them drives a Ford. Well, that don't mean you don't love each other. I mean, you might have heated debates about which is better, Ford or Chevy. Huh? You might get into all kinds, I mean, just wrestle about it. But when it's over, you're still brothers and you still love each other, Right? Well, this is our witness. It's such a huge part 
of our witness as Christians is our loving each other as Jesus loves us. That's not based on our performance. He sees our value intrinsically. And he loved us so much that before we were born, before we ever did anything to please him, he bought us and paid for us and saved us. Can you say amen? amen? And if he loves us like that, we ought to love each other. And if he laid down his life for us like that, the scripture says we ought to be willing and to lay down our life for each other. Amen. Well, we've been talking about this. And in our last session on Sunday, we went into some detail about how love, well, prior to that, we talked about how that love builds up. And then we talked about how that love does no harm. Love works no ill to its neighbor, Romans says, so love is the fulfilling of the law. It'll grieve you if you realize that you inadvertently or ignorantly hurt somebody or cause somebody a problem. If you realize that you ignorantly or for some other reason hurt somebody, caused them a problem, and it doesn't bother you, then something's wrong with you. You're not sensitive to God. Has that happened? I mean, some of the... uh, Some of the times I have repented the most and and wept before God and felt the worst is when I realized I ignorantly or some other way let the enemy use me to hurt somebody. You know, the devil's always wanting to use your mouth. He's always wanting to use you to hurt somebody. He wants to bring thoughts to your mind and he wants you to say stuff. That's why you shouldn't just say everything that crosses your mind. You examine it. Amen? And don't let the enemy use your hands. Don't let him use your, your, your body. Don't let him use your mind. Don't let him use your mouth. We're sanctified unto God for his exclusive use and purposes. Well, we talked about how that love builds up. Love edifies. Love gives. The chief expression of love is giving. God so loved the world that he gave. And then last week we talked about how that love serves. Love serves and it doesn't do it in depression. It does it gladly. Like the apostle said. In fact, let's turn there and look at it again. In 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Man, I like this verse. I have it underlined. Stars by it. (laughs) If I could just find it. (laughs) Second Corinthians. Twelve. And uh, fifteen. I didn't write it down this morning. Second Corinthians twelve. And fifteen. The Apostle Paul. Whom I believe represented the Lord. So very well. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now, Jesus went into detail. We won't turn there and look at it. But in the gospel accounts, do you remember how that Jesus talked about Loving others. And he said, don't, not just loving people that do good to you, but even talked about loving your enemy. He said, if you salute 
your neighbor or if you give to somebody who gave to you, you love somebody who loves you. He said sinners do that. Right? But loving somebody who doesn't love you. Doing good to somebody who did evil to you. That's the divine love, isn't it? That's the love of God. And here he's saying that he, not just that he would spend and be spent, but he'd do it how? He would do it very gladly. Now please notice those words because the moment that you get into this, I don't know, it's a false love. And it's a false humility that people talk about, well, we just have to lay down our lives for the Lord. And uh, we just have to keep giving till it hurts. And we just have to give it all, if that's what it takes, and start crying. Huh? Is that what Paul said? Paul said, we're laying it all on the line, brother. We're giving it all. Because we love God. It's hard. It's hard. But we're doing it. Mm-mm. See, that's wrong. Did you know 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how you could give everything you've got. You could give all your money and all your stuff. Even give your body to be burned. And if you didn't do it in love, the God kind of love, it profits nothing. And this is one of the telltale signs that you are doing it in the God kind of love. You do it willingly. You do it gladly. Hmm? I've had people tell me before that the Lord dealt with them to give something to the ministry. I don't mean one time. I don't know how many times. And they said, man, I, I didn't want to do it. I said, well, keep it. Well, uh. Well, I want to obey God. Well, then obey <laughs> so, yeah, I've had people, you know, they, they're like, they want me to talk them into it. <laughs> I'm not going to talk you into it. Well, you'll miss out on that blessing. Uh-uh, somebody else will do it and get your blessing. Mm-mm, no. I've had people call me up before. If I, if I tell you some of this stuff, you'd probably, your mouth would drop. I've had people call me up and tell me what the Lord told them to do for, I mean, recently, for this church. Big stuff. Stuff that the Lord told them to do for for our ministry or for us. And then call me back the next day and say, you know, you didn't act too excited when I told you that. (laughs) See, they're looking at me. They're wanting to see if I will... uh, act in a such a way to merit their great generosity. Right. And what they don't realize is they probably need to give it more than I should receive it. Amen. Did you hear me? Yeah. I'm telling you, this ain't about me. It's about God. Yeah. It's about the work of God. Yeah. People get their eyes on men. They get their eyes on people and go, well, let me just watch him a while and see if I think he merits my support. Well, no, you need to hear from God. He's going to lead you right. Amen. And if he doesn't lead you to do it, then I don't care what kind of sad stories they tell, then don't do it. 
But if he leads you to do it, I don't care whether they look like they need it or don't or you think they deserve it. You better obey God. Let me just let let you in a little clue here. People walking by faith are not going to look like they need it. They're not going to sound like they need it. Uh, you, go, you hear them talking, they're going to just keep, keep telling you about how every need is met. How every bill is paid. Why? Because if you're in faith, that's what you believe in. That's what you're expecting. That's what you're doing. You're not going to go around poor mouthing. I like one fellow told, he said, you know, he'd got a new pair of shoes, real expensive. And, and the preacher told him, oh, you know, you are not wear them shoes in the meeting. People will see them shoes and they won't give. He said, if you've got an old pair, you know, it's got a hole in the bottom or something. You know, wear them, and then when you're up on the platform, you can cross your legs, you know, and people can see that hole. <laughs> well, if I have to do that, I think I'll do something else. How many know we don't have to do that? No, no. God is a big God, and He's faithful to provide. Amen. And you don't have to pull on people, and you don't have to try to con people. You don't have to pour mouth. You get in faith, you sow your seed, you believe God, and He will deal with people. He'll deal with them. You don't have to deal with them. He will deal with them. Amen. And and that doesn't mean they have to obey Him now. They don't have to obey. But if they don't, He will deal with somebody else. And if that person doesn't obey, He will deal with somebody. If He has to go through a hundred people, He'll find. If He has to get a little dog to bring it in a paper sack and sit it on your doorstep, that's not far-fetched. He had ravens fly in bread and meat every day. He can do it. How many, everybody say, he can do it. He has ways. He has connections. Yes, he does. And how come us talking about that? Well, I'll very gladly spend and be spent for you Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. It's not based on what you do for me. This divine love. You know, you'll hear uh, people talk about being in love, falling in love, and then falling out of love. And we got a divorce rate today that is off the charts. And people are changing partners like trading in cars. Hmm? And covenant means nothing. Standing up before your families and before the Lord and before people and, and saying, I commit in a covenant in this relationship, it means nothing to people. When the thrill is gone, they're gone. And uh, the reason being is because people don't even understand love. They don't know what love is. You know, people say, I, I, I love my car and, and I love the Rams and, and I love pizza and I love you. Well... More than the pizza? <laughs> Less than your car? Where do I fit? No. And people, when they say, oh, we're in love. Whoo, man. Wow. We're, I, I love you. I need you. No, you, you just got through saying you love yourself. I love you. I need you. It's got nothing to do with loving them. Did you hear me? I'm just giving you a quick example of how messed up the world is concerning what they call love. You don't know real love until you know the love of God. You don't walk in real love. You don't love people truly until you love them as God loves you. 
I love you, I need you, is self-love. You say, I, I love you. Oh, I, I, I can't live without you. I have to have you in my life. I love you. Well, I've heard people talk that way about cars. <laughs> oh, it's me and you, car. I got to take you home. Huh? You're saying, I love what you do for me. I love how you make me feel. I love, you fill a place in my heart and life. And, and I love me, so naturally I love it when you do something for me. It's all self-love. But you get into divine love when you're not enjoying what people do for you. When you don't even like being around them. Where they've done wrong to you, they've hurt you. And yet, by faith, you do good for them. He said, though though you love me less. I mean, they, they were into this thing where Paul, the Lord used them to get them started as a church. But then some other folk rolled in that, that claimed that they were some big something. And they kind of threw Paul on the side. And they're making much of these people who are just in the flesh and false apostles. And he said, yeah, but he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, even though the more I love you, looks like the less you're going to love me. God loves us, even when we didn't love him. Can you say amen? Everybody say very gladly. Now you're here in Galatians, just flip over just a couple of pages. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Galatians 5. And let's look at verse 13 again. Galatians 5.13. He said, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Have we been made free? But are we made free to just do whatever we want to do? No, we've been made free. Like we said last week, we've been saved to serve. Right? Don't use your liberty just as an occasion to the flesh, but by love, do what? By love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me read, don't take the time to turn to them, but let me just read to you a number of scriptures that talk about, so that you'll see this is not an isolated thought. But this is a recurring central theme through the New Testament. He said in Romans 15.1, don't try to turn to all these, but just listen or, or jot them down. Romans 15.1, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Though I be free from all men, I've made myself servant to all that I might gain the more. 10.33. Let me give you two or three more of these. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. 10.24. Just listen. Let no man seek his own but every man another's welfare. Do you hear this? Another, another, look out for another. 
take care of another, prefer another, minister to another. He said, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15, He died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but to him that died for them. Philippians 2, this is one of the strongest ones. Philippians 2. 3 and 4 and, and further. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's where we ended up last week. Better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Can you really look on other people and treat them as better than yourself? doesn't mean they are better than you. doesn't mean that you believe that they're intrinsically better than you. But you esteem them, you treat them like they're better than you, and you give them preference over yourself. Hmm? Can you do that? And Jesus, he laid down his life for us. He paid the ultimate price. He gave himself for us. How many remember the scriptures where it talks about, Jesus said this more than once. He said, if you seek to save your life and seek your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And he said, take up your cross and follow me. What is, what is your cross? Well, it involves laying down your life for other people. Can you do that on a daily basis? Y'all don't sound as happy as you were a few minutes ago. See, the moment you get into this, people start thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right. But it it just don't sound good, you know, laying down your life. (laughs) Doesn't sound like it'd be fun at all. And it sounds like you're not going to get to do what you want to do. But listen, if you get into a a depressed or semi-depressed attitude about it, then you know you're already off. Because in order for it to be the real God kind of love, it's got to be glad to do it. Very glad to do it. Huh? Now the only way this can be is if you genuinely love somebody more than you do yourself. Because if you love you more than you do them, you're going to look out more for you than you do them. And if you love them more than you do yourself, you'll be willing to sacrifice. See, most people in the world are perfectly willing for you to sacrifice so I can be in better shape. Huh? Right? Most folk in the world are perfectly willing and glad if it costs you, but it benefits me. Oh, yeah. But that's the world. The way of the Lord is what? Perfectly willing for me to be put out or for it to cost me if it benefits you. Hmm? Well, yeah, but if I let them have my place, that's going to take me longer. Right. That's the way it works. (laughs) Go to Mark 15, please. But we're having fun now, aren't we? Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, I don't know if you remember it or not, but the Lord has told us back in uh, John 15 that what we're talking about right now is the key to fullness of joy in your life. The selfish life is the miserable life. 
I mean, how do you think people get to the place where they have billions of dollars and everything to buy and eat and drive and wear and live that money could possibly buy and they want to kill themselves they're so miserable? How could that be? Because stuff won't make you happy. You satisfying yourself will not satisfy your soul. The harder you try to satisfy and satiate your flesh and satisfy your own personal desires, the more miserable you will become. Do you understand what we're talking about? Now, selfish people are the most unhappy people on the planet. Everybody say that out loud with me. Selfish people are the most unhappy people on the planet. And you can't, you can't satisfy them. The more selfish a person becomes, the more they want. And they're always looking for something. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh cannot be satisfied. Cannot. You, you, you know, because there's this lie that people think, well, as soon as I get this, then I'll be happy. And then they get it, and they're not. Oh, they might think they are for a day or two, but when the new wears off, they still got that emptiness inside. And so now it's something else. Well, if I could get this house, well, if I could get this position, or if I could make this much money, or if I could get where I could retire, and then I could sit out and fish. (laughs) No. What, as a Christian, is going to satisfy you deep in your soul? What is going to give you fullness of joy? I'm talking all around it, but just hold, where did I tell you to go? Mark 15. Hold your place in Mark and go to John 15. Read it again so you'll know I'm not making this up. Mark 15. After John 15. Right. Thank you. John 15. I have lots of notes, but sometimes I don't use them. John 15. John 15. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That word that's, that's oftentimes, I, I guess, what, a dozen times in the, in the past few verses here is translated abide. It means stay in there, stay in it, live in it, live in this love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide, stay, live in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide or stay and live in his love. These things have I spoken to you. Why? Why? So that when you love other people and you lay down your life for them, you'll be unhappy, but you'll get a reward in heaven. Huh? It's hard. It costs you everything. And very few are willing to pay the price. But you'll be blessed when you get to heaven. Now he's talking about immediately when you do these things. He said, I've told you these things, not so you'd be depressed. I've told you these things. Why? That my joy. Whose joy? Huh? Are we talking about the very self-same joy that rested in the bosom of the master? Huh? Huh? The one who was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all his brethren. So many of the pictures you see of people trying to portray Jesus, they portray him as sad. Do you believe he was sad? No. To believe he's sad is to believe he's weak. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Was he strong? Yes. Oh, strong 
You never met anybody any stronger than him. So what else do we know he was? Full of joy. Why do you think little kids liked him? Little kids would mob him. Why? Little kids don't like depressed folks. They want to party, buddy. Little kids want to dance and play. And they loved Jesus. Didn't they? Why? He's full of joy. He's full of joy. He'd take them up in his arms and bless them. Huh? Take time. They loved him. Why? The common people loved him. Why? He wasn't depressing to listen to. They're tired of hearing the scribes and Pharisees tell them how terrible they were. Who wants to come get beaten in the head at church? Sorry, rascals. You bunch of sinners. No, we, we want to be built up. We want to be edified. Tell, don't tell us what we can't do. Tell us what we can do. Don't just tell us we got a problem. Tell us how to get out of the problem. Don't just tell us our shortcomings. Tell us how to overcome and rise above it. And when you're strong, you'll have joy. Let me challenge you, friends. Let this church be known for its joy. Everywhere you go. It's, it's a bad witness when you go out of the house and you're depressed. It's a bad witness when you're, you know, poke your lip out. Got the mully grubs on the job. It's a bad witness. A depressed Christian is a contradiction in terminology. Christ, Diane, is an anointed one. One like the anointed one who was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness. Amen. You show me a strong Christian. You show me somebody with a lot of faith. I'll show you somebody with some joy. You show me somebody with some power in God. I'll show you somebody with some joy. They're inseparable. The strongest Christians are the ones that get slapped with 12 problems before lunch. And they still jump up and go, ha! (laughs) Hallelujah anyhow. None of these things move me. Ha ha, devil, you dumb defeated devil. You'll never defeat me. And laugh in his face at destruction and at famine thou shalt laugh. You get slapped and you find your nose where your feet were just a minute before. And you go, ha, ha, ha. This don't move me. That's strong. I said, that's strong. But when people, so many people, bless their hearts, they think this is strong. A little nothing happens and they go, I just don't understand what's wrong. I love the Lord and I'm doing the best I can. And also, I'm a faith person. Why is this that? No, honey, you ain't near the faith person you think you are. Or you wouldn't be whining and crying and carrying on like that. Faith shouts. Faith is joyous. Amen. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. You know, worst case scenario, worst, I mean, if everything went bad, if for whatever reason you messed up, you, you didn't believe the money in, you didn't believe for your healing, you didn't get it taken care of for whatever reasons, and you died, worst case scenario, you step out of your body and you go, wow, that's done. And an angel is there. He says, you ready to go? Yeah. You want to take the scenic route? Go by the Milky Way? and Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Worst case scenario. I'm saved. You're saved. That's why we're more than conquerors. You can't defeat us. You can't defeat. You put a gun to our head and blow our brains out. You didn't defeat us. You just sent me to glory quicker. Huh? Isn't it wonderful to know we cannot be defeated? We're more than conquerors. Oh, makes you want to shout. That's what the world is looking for. That's what they want to see in you and I. They want to see this unconquerable joy. They want to see this peace that never goes away. Amen. And when they see this in our life, in work, good times, bad, no matter what's going on, we'd never lose it. We always have joy. We always have peace. They will want what you have. Because nobody in the world has this. Nobody. Nobody. They're like yo-yos. But we, we are on the rock who does not change. And the rock is in us. Amen. And if we'll not quit, we cannot be defeated. He always causes us to triumph. When you walk in this kind of joy, when you lay your life down for others, does it depress you? No. No. I mean, Phyllis and I, progressively, as the years have gone by, we have laid down more and more of our life for others. Until you get to the place where you forget your life. You lose your life and you're living every day to help somebody. And we've just become happier and freer and stronger and more blessed. Amen. Because there's nothing like realizing that you have been used of God to set somebody free. You've been used of God to meet somebody's need. You've been used of God to take a burden off somebody, to answer a question that they've been wrestling with for a long time, to get them out of depression, get them out of a sickness. Now, friend, that will make you happier than a new car or a new dress or a new piece of jewelry or anything you could do for you. Oh, it satisfies you deep down in your soul. Amen. And you know, that's what I was made for. That's what I was put on this planet for. Amen. It is the key. Jesus said it, the key to fullness of joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. When you follow God completely, you've got to get used to your plans being messed up. You've got to get over being miffed when uh, you were inconvenienced. Hmm? Because people need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. Don't they? And so many times when they need you, it's three in the morning and you're in a sound sleep. And the Lord deals with you to sow some money to them. And it's not a good time for you to sow money. You don't have a lot extra and you've got some bills coming up. But the Lord knows all that. But when you delight in ministering to other people, I'm telling you, you learn to do it. And you learn, well, I don't care. Yeah, we were going to go do this, but that's all right. Forget that. Let's go check on them. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we're going to do that. You've got to be flexible to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Huh? Amen. I mean, it, and it's an exciting thing. It's adventures every day. You don't know what's going to happen. It's exciting. It's not boring. Phyllis and I have gotten up in the morning and, and she said, I got somebody on my heart. Uh, and I said, I do too. And next thing you know, a couple hours later, we're in the, another state ministering to them. 
Thank God for airplanes. And everything, that's not just for preachers, that's for every believer. That's why we're talking about getting free so you have time and getting free so you have money. Amen. And the Lord can tap you on the shoulder. You get up in the morning, call them. Go see them. Go buy them this. Go do this. And when you learn to live like that, you'll begin to be happier and happier and happier and more full of joy. Your joy will be full. When you sit around and think about what I don't have and what they didn't do for me. And why don't my kids come see me? Why don't my grandkids want to come see me? Why don't my friends want to come spend time with me? Now let's just stop right there. Wonder why they don't. Wonder why they never, they never want to come. Well, one reason why some folk don't want to come see people is because when they do come, they're laying for them. Well, I see you finally decided to come see your mama. I guess I could just lay up here and die and nobody would come check on me. How many understand that is complete selfishness and complete immaturity? And then for the next 30 minutes, tell them about, you know, my, my, my bad back and what the doctors have been saying and how we got to go through this and, and how they, they, they cut my check and, and how I don't know what I'm going to do and, and this and that. Well, what do you think most people are doing? They're sitting there going, boy, if I could never get out of here. They're not going to be back for a while. And people say, well, you just don't understand if you had up. No, 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 you don't understand. If you love them, you wouldn't just sit and talk about yourself all afternoon. You know, my dear grandmother, she's in heaven now. But she was one of the greatest examples of this I've ever seen. I know in the latter years of her life, she had some physical problems. And I know there were times she was in pain. And I know there were some times that she didn't feel like entertaining. But friend, if you showed up at the house... You'd never know it. She'd push it aside and she'd put a smile on and all she wants to know is what's going on with you. Baby? And have you eat? Yeah, yeah, just a, well, well, let me fix you something then. And, and dare me, pull out stuff from 20 different places and just make a big deal and ask you and, and baby, tell me what you're doing and tell me what's going on with you. Well, see, you, you wanted to go. I never didn't want to go. You understand what I'm talking about? Nobody enjoys being around selfishness, Amen. where all people want to do is tell you about their problems and, and talk about their self for hours. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody. But when you love other people, you are interested in them. You want to know about them, and you ask questions about them. Turn back to Mark, and let's look. Mark 15. You still got that? Mark in the 15th chapter. When you live like this, When you lay down your life for others, will it depress you? Not if you do it right. It is the key to fullness of joy. Everybody say fullness of joy. Now in the 15th chapter of Mark, I want you to notice a great truth, a great truth. Mark 15. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, those that were key to him being crucified were down watching him, mocking him. Verse 27 said they crucified with him two thieves. This is Mark 15, 27. One on his right, other on his left. The scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with the transgressors. He was treated like a criminal. 
And they that passed by railed on him. They wagged their heads and they said, Ah, thou that destroys the temple and builds it in three days, save yourself. Did you hear that? How many know this was not just these people, but that was the devil talking through him? Right? Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad he didn't? Don't you suspect he was tempted? He was tempted in the garden severely. Think about what kind of strength it took for him to stay up there experiencing such agony, experiencing such pain. And it was far beyond physical agony. He was being made sin with all the sin and the judgment for all that sin, mankind, past, present, and future was converging on his sinless, spotless being. We have no idea what kind of pain, what kind of agony, what kind of separation and dark. He cried out, don't you remember? My God, why have you forsaken me? For him to say that. We have no idea how bad it was. And he knows all he had to do was speak the word. He could call legions of angels to deliver him. All he had to do, open his mouth. What strength it took. What strength. What self-control. What dedication and commitment to the will of God. What love for you and I it took for him to bite his lip when all he had to do was speak. And he'd be delivered instantly. They said, save yourself. Mock it. He's being pulled and tempted. He knows all he's got to do to speak. And here these demons are talking through all these people. Why don't you save yourself? You said you could build the temple in three days. Get yourself off that cross. Save yourself. Mocking him. Jeering him. Taunting him. And this happened, you know, how long? Minutes. Maybe hours. And the chief priests mocked. And they, now get this, hear this, what a truth. They didn't know it, but what a truth. They said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Do you hear that? How many know this is a truth? If he had saved himself, you and I would be lost. Right? He saved others, himself he cannot save. He laid down his life for us. I'll love him forever for it, won't you? Oh my. Only only eternity will tell what it cost him and what he's done for us and, and the benefits that you and I are yet to even find out about. Oh, but my, the price has been paid. It's been done. You do understand now that Jesus is not still suffering on the cross. He's not there, right? Appreciate it. But don't stay sad about it. He's not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. Right? He's at the right hand of majesty on high where he's still ever living to make intercession for us. Watching out for us. Take every day taking care of us. Mm, Glory. He's glorified like you and I are going to be. But did you hear this? He saved others. Himself He cannot save. And that's a fact. And every day when you and I uh, get up in the morning, we have a limited. Everybody say limited. We have a uh, definite limits on the time we have in a day. Right? We have definite limits on how much money we have. Right? Definite limits 
on our resources, our peace, our patience. And here's, here's the truth. What you spend on yourself, you cannot spend on other people. What you spend on other people, you cannot spend on yourself. It's a choice, isn't it? I said it's a choice. And here comes maturity. And here comes real divine love when you begin to get to the place where you were ready to spend this time on yourself. And the Lord lets you know about somebody else that could use your time. And you say, okay, I won't do, I wanted to do that, but I won't do that. I can't spend this time on me and this same time on them. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to take care of them. How many know this is sowing and reaping? And when you make this investment, is it going to come back to you? Oh man, we've seen this. There's been so many times that we gave up something it seemed like or or let something go that we wanted to do and, and, and ministered. But I'm telling you what, God knows how at the right season and time to give you something far beyond what you'd have done. I mean, I've been in the middle, I've been in places, different places in the country, in the world, and just thought I was there just for ministry, and ministered and ministered, and all at once, here I got a whole day to do something, and somebody paid for this wonderful uh, amusement and recreation. Huh? When God blesses you, it's something bigger than you could have ever done. But if you live for yourself, and you live to, to find your own life, what the scriptures say? You'll lose. It's like sand. It goes through your fingers. And even what you're able to do, it doesn't satisfy your soul. Now, we all know this, that people who in times of duress, who in times of emergency, who don't think about themselves and sacrifice themselves for other people, we know that is the highest, that is the most noble, that is the most honorable thing, right? I mean, we have made much, and we ought to, and we ought to continue to make much for our policemen and our military and our firemen that rushed in on 9-11 and rushed in to certain death and ignored themselves and forgot about their safety and tried to save somebody else. How many know that is the highest of nobility? That is the thing that mankind does. Honor the most. Somebody in battle. See a buddy of theirs over there uh, hit. And, and leave their place of protection. And go out to get them. And drag, see, not thinking about their safety. To get the, How many know that that is bravery? That's courage. Yeah. That's to be honored. Yeah. What did Jesus do? The ultimate example of these kind of things we're talking about. He didn't need to be saved. He was in glory with the Father. He didn't need any of this. But we did. You know, you think, sometimes people think that leaving the comfort of the states and going to a third world country is a sacrifice. That's nothing compared to leaving heaven. Leaving heaven, leaving the glory of the Father and coming into the earth and being born in a trough. Leaving the glory... Of the father and the angels and being treated like a commoner and uneducated individual. Carpenter's son, not respected, spit on, slapped, died the death of a criminal. But you know he did it, the Bible said in in Hebrews 12. 
He did it with joy. He was strong and he endured it for the joy that was set before him. Hallelujah. How many believe the Lord gave himself spirit, soul, and body gladly? We read it in Isaiah last week. How it pleased the Father to give him. He did it gladly. He didn't go, do I have to? I don't want to. No, he did it because he knew it would save us. And he let himself be sacrificed. Well, friend, when Jesus lives in you and I big, we got that same spirit in us. We get that same willingness that we will sacrifice, we will spend, we will be spent, we will expose ourselves, we will, I'm talking about to danger and, and to problems, we, we will take risks, so to speak, not thinking about our own safety, we will spend money, not thinking about what we've got to do, if it delivers somebody else, if it helps somebody else. And friend, when you get into living like this, you'll begin to experience joy like you've never touched. How many believe the words of the master that you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory? Your joy, his joy, the very joy of Jesus will be inside you and you'll be full of joy. Amen. Close your eyes, lift up your hearts. Say it out loud, Father God, I confess your love has been and is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I believe it when you tell me that loving my brothers and sisters, laying down my life for them, spending and being spent for them will cause me to have your own joy And my joy to be full. I believe that. Thank you for delivering me from selfishness, self-centeredness, babiness, immaturity. Thank you for growing us up in love, in faith, in you. Thank you. For making us strong to be a blessing. And here am I. Use me to relieve others' pain. Use me to remove burdens off of others. Use me to meet others' needs. I'm available to you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.